12, 2024. Let's go. How are you doing? Happy New Year. Yes, Happy New Year, everyone. How was your New Year's? What did you do? Well, New Year's was pretty good. Uh, the coffee hour crew were together on the New Year's. We spent it together. That was lovely, actually. First time seeing fireworks in a while. Yeah. And this was a different view. Uh, basically, what we did, for people listening, is rather than actually going to central London, which is where everyone goes, everyone goes to like either London Eye, London Bridge, um, we actually went somewhere that's called Alexander Palace. It's north London. And the view we got was the view of basically London. Like you could see East London, West London, South London. And you could just see... It's like you got the bird's eye view. You're looking at London and you see fireworks all around. You don't even hear them because they're so far away. But that was it. How was your experience? I mean, we were together. What was your thoughts on it? You know what? Funny enough, I also happened to go to Alexandra Palace on New <laughs> Year's Day. I actually, I so I know we know a mutual friend who went into central London for it. And he didn't have any of the tickets for, you know, the designated event area. Yeah. Um, but it was it was chaos. I think he said he got there around seven. He had to into central London around seven. He had to hold his place after having dinner and whatnot for three hours. And even still, it wasn't the greatest view. But I think he got because he did have some like buildings in front of him. So he wasn't right next to the river. But obviously the fireworks in central London, they go really high. So he did have an amazing view of it. But yeah, we went to Alexandra Palace. We got to spend some time with some coffee hour listeners, which was really nice, you know, to get their opinions. <laughs> and yeah, I think it was it was a good evening, even though Alyssa said she couldn't actually see all the fireworks because it was just blurry for her vision. She didn't have her glasses. But Oh, that's right. Okay. I mean but Leah actually I just realized that. She didn't miss the ones that were right in front of her. So there you go. Mm. It's amazing view though. Yeah. It was good, yeah. It just felt like because I saw some like Instagram clips from it as well where it's just like a drone in the sky that, that was basically similar view. Um it just looked amazing and it's just something to remember because I'm sure something like this down the line, maybe ten years from now, is something that plays more significant in my brain so i think of it as something that was much more magnificent than it actually was i don't know how to explain that but yeah i feel like in 10 years i'll look at it as like oh wow that was so beautiful and stuff like that which it was but it'll be different in my head yeah you sort of like romanticize it in your head because you're not just seeing like the central london firework display but what you're actually seeing is like the the wide angle view of the whole of London. And it's really amazing. They yeah. do. Um, Alexandra Palace is a great place to go, not just for watching fireworks, but also for like, they've got the darts world championship up there. They've got a theater. We went there. Me and my parents went there during Christmas. We saw a Christmas Carol there and that was amazing. They've got a music venue, which holds 10,000. So you can see concerts there and they've got ice skating. So they've got a lot of different things going on at Ali Pali. It's really worth checking out if no one's been there before. Yeah, it was beautiful, by the way. I was just thinking as well, when we when we went there, I was thinking, okay, if it's like a summertime, running down there would be so nice because you had this view of London, as you said, and it'd just be so nice to just run around it. How many miles do you think it is from my house to Ali Pali? I wouldn't say it's more than five. 
Whoa, hold on. No way. That's It's more than five, surely. Is it five miles, though? That'll be around, like, eight kilometers. Oh, yeah, definitely more. Yeah, you're running from High Barnet, through Finchley, through Freeham Barnet, through Muswell Hill. Let's I reckon see. it's, like, just going there, I reckon, is, like, 20k. It's at 6.5 miles. 6.5 miles. How many kilometers is that? 6.5 miles would be nearly 10 kilometers. I could run there, but then if I ran back, so it would be almost, it would be a half marathon. It would, yeah, it would be. Or it could be a case where you could take the bus there and then run back from there or even go with a bike. I mean, I've always wanted to get involved into get having a bike and then just going around London because my club owner, like my boxing club owner, uh, he goes on these, I think I showed you before, he goes on these really long bike rides and they're like four hours, five hours. Yeah, you did. And it's just amazing. He just goes around London. He just goes outside London sometimes. Maybe that will be maybe yeah. that will be something like the podcast because you have been talking about it for a few years and maybe finally it will happen. Just give it more time and eventually you'll be like, fuck it, I'm going to get a bike. Exactly. Although I'd like to mention that like the bike he's got, it's like it's not like a normal bike. It's like one of them professional ones that are like, what, like five, six K. Like the one that if you leave in London for a minute, it's gone. One of well, he takes ones. it. He takes it seriously. Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd say, and it's very healthy as well. Bike riding is really healthy for you and really good for you. That could be your New Year's resolution. It could be if I Which, ever heal up. Well, I do know what your New Year's resolution is, but we can't repeat that. <laughs> but if you want a more appropriate one, I would say, yeah, get a bike, not a six thousand pound one, but just a, a bike that will do you well. Yeah, I'll probably do that. Yeah, I'll probably definitely do that. So we have a little announcement. Should we get into that? All right, let's get into it. Drum roll. So from this episode onwards, we will be introducing episode reels on our Coffee Hour Instagram page. And essentially what those will be are one to two minute clips taken from this episode that you're listening now. And those will release on Monday and Wednesday after the episode. So it's more of like a bite-sized bite-sized clip of the most relevant or the funniest moments from the one hour podcast. Yeah, so this has been something we've been working on or we had in mind I should say since the beginning that we knew eventually we we're going to have content posted on Instagram or maybe other platforms. Um but we just wanted to get the hang of it at the start, you know, gain some experience. Uh, and now I'd say we're comfortable with everything we do at the moment. So, yeah, we're doing that. And it will be, as you said, from this episode onward, and we shall have it for every episode. And I just think it's nice to just do it at episode 10. It's sort of like a clean slate. You can move on from here. And then, like you said, we can just do it on other platforms going forward once we get the hang of doing that. So I think it's just another way of, you know, building up the podcast. And I think hopefully that will make it a better listening experience. Yeah, I agree. And to those who don't listen to the podcast regularly, hopefully by watching or listening to that one minute clip, you'll see what you're missing on. Well, now you have no excuse. Come on, guys. It's one minute out of your day to listen to us. I know it's painful, but you can do it. But yeah, we're doing that. Congratulations, champ. Thank you, man. This is, well, this is like our, what is this, our second milestone? I guess it is. Yeah, yeah, we could say that because we could take the it The first further. one would so, be yeah. 
creating the podcast and doing that for 10 weeks and we got the hang of that and yeah now we're moving into episode reels and we sort of get got to get the hang of that because that's a difficult thing to do um by no means is it going to be easy but i think we're going to give it our best shot and hopefully it pans out really well for us so let's actually talk about the second topic or i should say our main first topic of the day um do you want to talk about your biggest sporting moments of 2023 now just before we start this uh we didn't necessarily want to have this on the transcript because we said obviously 2023 is in the past uh so we can get into it but not necessarily in so much detail and then we can say perhaps what could be the biggest moment in 2024 sports moments in 2024 and what stuff we're looking forward to yeah, exactly. Because we did want to do like a roundup of 2023. But then I think at the same time, it's like it's 2024. It's the new year. And we want to move and look forward. But my biggest moment of 2023 in terms of sport has to be Novak Djokovic's equaling of the tennis Grand Slam record. So he won his 24th tennis Grand Slam, equaling Margaret Court's record of 24 a record that she set in the 1970s. So that's a 20, that's a 50 year old record that Novak Djokovic is equaling there. And Court won out of her 24 titles, 11 in the professional era and 13 in the amateur era. So when we compare that to Djokovic winning 24 in the professional era, it's a truly remarkable record. And when we consider that this is someone who is 36 years of age or older, someone who is still in the top two world rankings consistently, someone who won three out of four Grand Slams in 2023 at 36, by the way, someone who looks unstoppable going forward. It's just incredible. And I don't think that he's just going to equal this record. I think that he's truly going to surpass it. You know, he's gained this record. He's gained this record in men's tennis, but by no means will he stop at 24 he's probably going to get to 30 and I could probably see him going to 35. I think he's, I, I could see this guy playing over 40 and still winning grand slams because he's just a mentality monster, a physical beast on the court and a mesmerizing tennis player and professional to watch. Um, so just a few questions regarding uh, tennis. Obviously we both enjoy tennis and I'm not as big of a fan as you are. I mean, I'm a fan, but I don't know as much. Uh, which Novak Djokovic so is it fair to say is the greatest of all time now because there's so much controversy around that well there is controversy I would say that Djokovic gets a little bit of stick and I think perhaps it is from his personality I think it's perhaps from the way that he plays I think it it helps and it doesn't help that he played and was at his peak at the same time as Rafael Nadal and Roger Federer but for me, I just think the numbers don't lie. And I did see Djokovic two years ago at Wimbledon. And it was an incredible experience watching him because he just completely dismantled his opponent with ease. So I think in terms of that longevity, in terms of getting this record already and moving past it, which I definitely can see happening, I think people are going to look back and have to go, okay, perhaps we thought Nadal and Federer were the better players in terms of the style of tennis they played, you know, Federer is very graceful, for example, on the court with his backhands. But I think you cannot deny that Djokovic is at least one of the goats, if not the goat. Yeah, I mean, some of the numbers you said, 
24 trophies and that's just tying him with someone who had him in amateur leagues previously and he's 36 years of age which I don't necessarily say it's old when you compare him to other elite tennis players yes it's an old age but he's someone who obviously takes care of himself and it's like Ronaldo kind of in football where yes it's an old age but when you're at the top of the food chain even a slightly worse version of you can still compete with all these hungry players by all accounts at 36 years old he should not be at least winning these grand slams do you get what i mean but i think i mean we've been so lucky that we we have been in an era and that era has passed because federer has retired but where we've had three of the greatest men's players playing at the same time and so they have pushed everyone up a level and the great young players and the best young players coming through now your Alcarazes, for example your casper roods your yannick sinner these are great tennis players they're so good they're some of the world's best and they will go on to win grand slams alcaraz has already won one mm-hmm. he's won two actually but djokovic just pushes it to a level he's at mm-hmm. 36 he needs to be in decline and yet he actually looks like he's getting better because the other two greats have retired and so it's more more of a dominant field towards him at the moment Wait, so nadal has retired as well he hasn't sorry but nadal was injured for last mm-hmm. year okay. and i think i think in terms of nadal we're looking at maybe one or two more seasons of him playing but nonetheless i mean djokovic is an astounding athlete and i think we cannot overlook him equaling that record because it's a big achievement. It's the pinnacle of men's tennis and tennis is a massive sport. Mm-hmm. Was he the one who um, got denied entry for the championship because he refused to take vaccines? He was denied entry to US Australia. Open. Yep, US Open, yeah. Australia and also Wimbledon, I believe, um, because he stuck to his principle and he did not want to take the COVID vaccination, which is fair enough to him if he did not want to do it and he stuck by that even at the cost of his tennis then that's what he did but i mean clearly it hasn't affected his tennis because he came back came back this year last year sorry and he completely dominated so yeah you'd expect it to affect him as he doesn't you know as you don't play in these top leagues you'd expect it to play but you affect your timing affect your what you expect but i mean fair play to him and as you said, if it's still looking on in shape and you're saying he's going to get 30, then <laughs> that's something perhaps even next year at this point we can talk about. I think it is very a very realistic prediction that unless something catastrophic happens in terms of injuries or in his personal life, that Novak Djokovic will, will reach 30 Grand Slam titles. And at that point, I can't see anyone in the current crop of players beating that record i think Mm. alcaraz will certainly probably i mean because he's an incredible talent and a great player he can certainly get double digits in grand slam titles but 30 no one that i can see right now playing is going to reach that apart from Djokovic. fair play to him in that regards i mean obviously you'd expect it to get harder as as we go forward in general like maybe 30 years from now, it's going to be impressive to even get double digits. But uh, still, 30 is just crazy. It is, man. So tell me, what is your biggest sporting moment of 2023? 
So, for my biggest sporting moment of 2023, we've had a lot of options. We could have gone boxing. We could have gone, I'd say, Formula One. Not that I know much about Formula One. But I chose a moment in MMA, which, surprise, by the way. Um, I think nothing's going to top this one. And I picked Israel Adesanya knocking Alex Pereira out in the third fight, which was the... Oh, sorry, the fourth fight, which was the second fight in MMA. So, to give you a backstory on both these athletes, both of them were kickboxers originally. And Alex Pereira is a Brazilian kickboxer who's just a tank. Like, his nickname's Poatan, which... It means hands of stone, and he literally got stones tattooed on his um, on his hand and fingers. Anyway, so he he's a rock. Like if you just look at that man, he just he's just a rock. And years ago, when they were still both active kickboxers, Israel Adesanya fought Alex Pereira, and their first fight they fought twice in kickboxing. And their first fight it was a case where Pereira beat uh, Pereira beat Adesanya, but it was a robbery, like he could have he could have lost that fight. Like, it was a robbery. Israel won that fight. But because it was in Brazil, they gave it to Pereira. So they had a rematch, which Adesanya was winning up until he got caught with the left hook in the late rounds. I think the final round. And he went out completely cold. He had to go out on a stretcher. They had to put oxygen mask on his face for him to come back. Uh, it was bad. It was a bad knockout loss. After that point, uh, Israel Adesanya switched to MMA and he went on to become one of the greatest middleweight fighters of all time. Went on to become the champion. He went on to dominate the division and go through everyone. And by this point, Alex Pereira is still not even an MMA fighter. He's still a kickboxer. Now, three, four years ago, Israel Adesanya does an interview saying, oh, at the end of the day, Alex Pereira is going to be a guy who... When he's like 70, he's going to be sitting at a pub. He's going to be watching me on the TV and he's going to be saying, oh, I beat that guy one time. And that motivated Alex Pereira to trans uh, transition into MMA and hunt down Adesanya again. So he switched to MMA. He did three, four fights. For a sixth or seventh fight, he was facing Israel Adesanya in the UFC for the middleweight championship of the world. And this was late 2022. Now, it was a close contest. But once again, in round five, a minute before the final bell, Israel Adesanya gets caught by the left hook and he goes to sleep. And that was his first KO loss in MMA. So it turned out to be a 3-0 for Alex Pereira. And... It just feels like one of them ones where this guy just can't beat him. No matter what you do, you're going to lose. Like, you're technically a better fighter because you're outpointing him, but you just you just get knocked out at the end. But he didn't give up. They had a rematch in 2023. First round, it looked like Israel is, is in trouble. Second round, he caught him against the cage and bang. One of the greatest right hands I've ever seen. A beautiful knockout. He puts Alex Pereira to sleep and that was a bad knockout. So yeah, I picked that moment as the biggest sporting moment of 2023, the comeback.
Well, firstly, well done for getting through all that. I think you need need to take a breather, firstly. I agree. I think that's what you need to do. <laughs> what it sounds like, though, is a great comeback story. And I think, not just in terms of great comeback stories, but I know from you talking about it, for example, that MMA and UFC is full of these stories, you know? You sort of have to follow on these narratives. And here you've got a guy who perhaps, yeah, I think unluckily some would say has lost three fights in a row when yeah he probably shouldn't have at least should have won one of them maybe two of them i mean you said the one in brazil for example he was sort of robbed and that's not that's not too uncommon is it in in fighting sport for example Mm -hmm. but what you've got a guy who is who is so motivated just to get that win because he he knows he can get it and even though that okay yes the odds have gone against him it looks like he can never get that victory He's not going to give up until he gets it. And finally he does it. And I guess that is many things, but I think it's him, you know, proving everyone wrong, proving them that I can beat him, but also a massive weight off his shoulders. And I think you said this was a title fight, right? Yeah. So he regained his championship. So what a way to do it. I like that. That was a really good story. Yeah, it's it was a big moment. Like when it happened, it's like everyone already knew he's a better striker, but no one actually believed that he's genuinely going to get through him. And the celebration topped it off three arrows as he was out cold. I think everyone saw that clip. That was beautiful. That was beautiful. And yeah, that was that was perhaps the highlight of 2023 when it comes to sports. I do remember that arrow clip. I like the um, UFC and MMA and actually yeah fighting sports in general they always have like some of these narratives not every fight but a lot of them do have a narrative behind them and if you follow the narrative it makes it so much more interesting and so much more rewarding when you're actually watching the fight so i think that's a good pick from you i didn't watch that fight by the way i haven't seen the highlights but i did see the arrows um <laughs> but yeah a good pick yeah so that was my 2023 and your 2023 now let's talk about what we've got in 2024 and what sporting events we're looking forward to. Tell me Let's what's... do it. Well, we've got three written down, so I might as well say all three of them and we'll just go through them one at a time. So the first one I've got is Tyson Fury versus Alexander Usyk. The second one I've got is Euro 2024. And the third one I've got is Wimbledon 2024. What do you think? Uh, they're all exciting as always, of course. Uh, obviously, with the fight that I'd say is the biggest fight of the year when it comes to boxing, at least with Euro, it's always a classic, you can't go wrong with it. Like, there's no year when there's Euros and then you say, okay, that's not on my top 10 or top two, top three. Like, that's always up there. And same with Wimbledon, Wimbledon is just it's just good. Now, I've been told I need to be involved in Formula One a bit more. And that's something perhaps I'm going to try to work on this year. And maybe that's something we can talk about in future episodes. But yeah, as of right now, I'd say that's pretty good. The one thing I'd probably add to it, once again, another MMA topic, the return of the notorious one, Conor McGregor. Can I just say watching Formula One was Arshia's New Year's resolution, by the way. <laughs> who's who's Conor McGregor fighting? Uh, Michael Chandler. Didn't we speak about this before? I think we did. That would yeah. definitely be 
yeah, that would definitely be up there in terms of UFC. I can't, I mean, you're, you're obviously much more knowledgeable on that than me, but that's a massive event. He's the, uh, he's a wonder boy. Well, no longer a wonder boy, but <laughs> the main star <laughs> of UFC. So that's massive, but I'm, listen, actually looking at these, of course, I'm really excited for Euro 2024 until England get to the final and inevitably lose. Um, but I think Fury versus Usyk, I'm actually really excited for that one. And that is, that's not that far away. Yeah. 17th of February. That is, uh, that's a day after <sighs> one of our episodes comes out. That's true. That's true. Um, we'll be talking about that, definitely. Oh, that yeah, we'll definitely be talking about that. I'm so looking forward to that fight. That fight's going to be really interesting. And I'd like to see how Fury can come back and redeem himself. What time is that one on? Because we can go out and watch that. Oh, we should go out and watch that. That'll be that'll be UK time. So main the main event would be around ten thirty. Perfect. Yeah, we'll definitely we'll definitely go for that one. Oh, I am looking forward. And what Wimbledon this year? There's something we talked about last year. Uh, was it the Wimbledon you went to? Was it last year ones or was it the one before? I've been I've been to Wimbledon in 2022 and 2023. In 2022, mm -hmm. I had court tickets. And in 2023, I had a ground pass. And hopefully uh, this year, I almost said next year, but this year I will go again with a ground pass. They're only 15 to 20 pounds. You, got, you have to queue for it in the morning, but it's definitely worth it. It's a good day out. So I'm looking forward I'll to that. I'll come with you this year. So when is it exactly, if you want to tell us? Yeah. So Wimbledon 2024 is from the 1st of July to the 14th. So it's a two-week event. Okay, so hopefully we'll have weather on our side on that one. Um, well, I didn't. I didn't last year. It was. <laughs> yeah, um, I remember. It was cloudy though. It wasn't raining, was it? No, nah, no. Nah, it was pouring it down, but luckily we were indoors for most of it, so we were good. But I mean, to be fair, that did help us in terms of queuing because less people went. I mean, it's still absolutely packed. You know, there's thousands of people there every day. But because it was raining, I think people are like, "Yeah, we probably shouldn't go today. We'll leave it for a sunnier day." Which is fine. I mean, you're there for the experience. Yeah. So based on the experience you had going last year, what time and the, the time you had to spend in the queue, what time would you say is the best time to go to get in as quick as you want or not having to stand in queue as long? Do you mean in terms of like date or do you mean in terms of time? No, in terms of time. So the actual hour. Oh, in terms of time. I mean, listen, I woke up at half five that day. We got We got to Wimbledon at like eight o'clock so we were queuing from about quarter past eight how long did it take you to get there an hour um i reckon just yeah just over an hour had to had to switch lines a few time a few times yeah. i think um victoria line wimbledon might be on i'm not sure though mm, I, I wonder how long their drive is i'd assume it'd be longer wouldn't it well it it would be but your problem is you're not gonna have anywhere to park and if there is a car wait, park, how come Wimbledon doesn't have parking? Oh, that's well, true. That's true. Yeah, exactly. If they did have a car park, I assume it'd be quite expensive. So you're better off just going on the tube. But you you do need to wake up really early. It's like a it's a whole day event. You wake up really early and you get back late. Yeah, yeah, I get what you mean. I go, but as you said, it's worth it though because every year you went. I remember last year I was going to come with you, but then you said you have to wake up at five thirty, and I was like. Yeah, I don't know about that one. Uh, but yeah, this year, this year I'll come. This year I'll definitely come because it's in July and I'm just having a good feeling about the weather. I I'm, I already see sun. I'm I'm predicting well, it. 
And also, like I was saying earlier, we might have Nadal back this year. So it's looking like an action-packed Wimbledon. Djokovic will be there. Alcaraz will be there. Hopefully Nadal will be there. So it's all, it's going to be great, honestly. If you can if you can be there, go there. Yeah, I'd love to watch Nadal. Just just the speed and the power he puts behind some of those shots. It I'd say camera doesn't do justice. Now, I've never actually seen tennis in person, but I've played tennis and I can understand what it takes for them to put that much power, that much effort into every shot for however many hour they play or however many matches they do and i assume they play for like two three sometimes four hours a match if it goes if it goes to five sets it can be five hours yeah which is crazy and knowing they have to have the power behind every one of those shots like to me it personally didn't necessarily get me tired but then again and we played for how long would you say three hours max three and a half hours we played for three hours max and not all of that was not all of that was like intense to be honest like a third of it maybe (laughs) yeah we do doubles isn't it when we do doubles so we don't necessarily have to run as much but when we do like one to one i i play with you especially it's it's the most intense game i'd say and for sure gets me tired 30 minutes in 40 minutes in or an hour in not tired to when i can't recover but yeah that's it 40 minutes it's a great sport because it's not just physically tiring but it's also mentally tiring because you like you start losing points and then suddenly you're like, fuck, I'm, I'm fucked here. But then it's like a mental battle in, inside yourself to sort of get get a game back and then to try and win the set. And it's just, it is, it's a really, it's a really fun sport to play and it's a really fun sport to watch. And Wimbledon 2024, that is one of my sporting moments to look forward to this year. Yeah, I remember the very last set we played together this year. It was a case where... We played one game and you had already won that one match. And this was the second game we were playing. So we didn't switch players. We played with different people. And then we switched players. It was me and you again. And you got to 40 love. So you were up. All you needed was one more point. And that's how I used to do it. I don't know why, but I'd let you get to like 40 love up. So 40 nil, which is basically the final point before winning the, the game or the set. And then I'll just start playing, but it feels like I just had to try. So I remember you got to 40, 40 love and I juiced it and we were on that for at least 40 minutes. Just you going on advantage, me leveling it, me going on advantage, you leveling it. And I think you finally bottled it at the end and we're one, one on that. Oh, it was, it was stressful because not only did it go on for like 45 minutes, but then it went up in intensity and yeah. the shots were more calculated. The shots were harder. They were more in the corners, you know. Yeah. And yeah, it was just, I was dripping with sweat, but it was great. It's great to play in those moments. It's so fun. I agree. That, that was a good game. And that game, we still have to settle it. We need the trilogy. We do. Shall we give a little bit of love, though, to Euro 2024? Because we haven't spoken a lot about it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Of course, of course. Let's do this. Tell me. So I think, like, I think in terms of favorites for this tournament, automatically and even though i don't think they're going to win it but because they won the last euros i'm going to say italy we've got to give them a little bit of respect you know they are mm-hmm. coming in to defend their title i think france naturally i mean this is a team that's been in the last two world cup finals and won one of them you can't yeah. rule them out and i also think spain spain play some really nice football they've got a good bunch of players i think you can say the same about portugal and of course you have to say the same about england who i actually think 
equal with France have probably got the best squads and are probably the favourites. So hopefully England win. But as we know, that just hasn't happened since 1966 in the men's side of the game. So who knows what's going to happen this summer. But I'm hoping for an England win. Yeah, I'm I'm feeling it. Uh, And we slightly touched on this before, but Spain doesn't have an easy group. Germany has a relatively easy group, but Spain does not have an easy group. Spain has Croatia and Italy. Um, We have Serbia, Denmark, Slovenia. So it's looking like an easy group stages for us, but... Uh, whereas France, they don't. They have us. Uh, they have Austria. They have Netherlands, and they probably have Wales uh, as the fourth team under team uh, under under group stages. But uh, yeah, Euros. I'm looking forward to it. As always, I remember the last one we were watching the finals together, and I missed the first goal, which I think we scored like two three minutes in. It was England against Italy? Yeah. So. Two, three minutes in, Luke Shaw gets the goal. We're all hyped. We think we're going to dominate this game because Italy are not the strongest squad, even though they had played a really good tournament and they did deserve to be in the final. And then we become really defensive. And then suddenly we're on the back foot. And then it's 1-1. And then it goes to penalty. And as it always happens in penalties, England lose. Although actually, to be fair, in recent history, we haven't always lost. But it was inevitable that we were going to lose in the Euros final in penalties but hopefully it doesn't happen this year and can i just say specifically earlier i did not mention germany as being one of the favorites and i know that that might put some people off because they are hosting the tournament but i do not back germany i'm sorry i just don't they've just not been good enough for the past few years they do have a relatively easy group stages uh, a stage but yeah i i wouldn't see it maybe quarterfinals semi-finals if they're lucky but I, I just don't see winning winning it for Germany I don't see that I don't see them winning it it's strange because they've been such a dominant force in football for decades but the last five years they've just been poor and they've had some good players as well I think naturally there's going to be a boost because it's a home Euros for them but I just can't see them I can't write them as one of the favorites I just can't see that happening um so Sorry if I've offended any German listeners. There might be one or two. Um, yeah. To be fair, though, like I think it's not a that's somewhat obvious. To be fair, it's like if you were to put Germany against France right now, I wouldn't say they win. Or if you were to put Germany against England right now, I wouldn't say they win. Uh, you never know. I mean, obviously, we talked about this before a bit, but it's home country, so that definitely is, is going to be a favorite for them that's going to be a plus for them and it's going to be a negative for any other team playing there but as long as it's as long as they come in or our team france as long as they come in how they usually perform i don't think germany is going to be a threat to them obviously you can as you say you can never rule them out though that's the nature of knockout football and knockout sports you never know what's going to happen all it takes is one game one set of 90 minutes and anything can happen but if we're going off the odds Germany are probably not going to win this Euros so shall we move on and looking forward again to this year should we talk about Mm -hmm. a bit of technology that we're excited for oh let's do this lead the way I want to talk about why we're excited for the Apple Vision Pro now this was something that I believe was announced last spring or last summer And it's basically Apple's foray into 
virtual reality, virtual tech, you know, think your Oculus Rift, your PSVR, or your MetaQuest, but this is something that looks really impressive, and I'm so excited to see how this pans out, you know, because I think whenever Apple get into something, whether it's the Apple Watch or the AirPods, they're always a market leader in Mm -hmm. that sector. And they always push the boundaries of where the technology is in the mainstream. And I think just to note, this starts off at $3,500. So it's a hefty price tag. But I think having looked at all the material that they've released already on their website and on the landing page for the Vision Pro, I think that it looks highly impressive. And I mean, we might have spoken about this on a really earlier episode or off air where we said usually with these products, it's good to wait for a future generation. You know, maybe it would be like the Vision Pro 3 before buying it because technology will improve and prices go down. But the product that they're launching with it does look really impressive. Mm-hmm. I agree. I mean, as you mentioned, with Apple, they don't get into something unless they know their product is going to be, firstly, unique. Second of all, genuinely something that works. So they, they're not just doing it for the sake of it. Like, to give an example, I'd say, like, the foldable phones Samsung does. Now, I don't want to say it's something that they only, I don't want to say it's the type of technology which only they got their hands on. I truly believe if Apple were to, if Apple were to say, okay, now we need a foldable phone, they could release it in a year. But I just don't think that it's something that's genuinely worth doing. Um, and it doesn't necessarily take change the marketing of the phones and stuff like that. I agree. I agree. And sorry to cut you here, but just to add on that, I, I would assume that they probably had conversations about a foldable phone, but they probably looked at the marketplace. And like you were saying, they thought there's just not a, there's not a need for this product right now. We're a really smart Mm -hmm. company. We sort of push the boundaries of our technology and we just don't need to get into that space. So whenever they do release a big product, then and a brand new product, it's always pushing the boundaries and it's something to be excited for. Yeah. Now with the Apple vision pro, um, Actually, the marketing was very fun because you, the the teaser they had is like with Apple Vision Pro, you can see, and I'm like, amazing. But we've been blind um, the whole time. <laughs> yeah, literally. Maybe we have been. You never know. Um, with Apple Vision Pro, one thing I'm really looking forward to, and actually, I'd like to say my initial reaction was, oh, that's like the VR version of Apple, like you know, PlayStation VR virtual reality thing they do. I thought that's just that, but for Apple, but it genuinely doesn't seem like that. Like based on everything I've seen from it or based on the things I've read, it just feels like something you could genuinely have on the whole day. Do you know what I mean? Yes and no, because I was going to bring up one negative. So even though we have been positive and we're really excited for this, it has up to two hours battery life. And I was reading through the page and their landing page for the product And it says two hours battery life. And then there's a footnote. And if you go all the way down, it says, based off our testing, it can have up to two hours battery life. So not even two hours battery life is quite a negative, I think, for something that you do want to be perhaps using for long periods of time. Um, I mean, get into what we can actually use it for. But I just think that's something to note that right now the battery life is not good. 
but I think that will improve with future generations of the device. Yeah, to be fair, like the first ever product that Apple releases, or not Apple, mostly any other company I could say, is more of a stepping stone is where you release that just to say, oh, look, we've got this. But then a year later, two years later, you'll release a product which is pretty much the same thing. So it doesn't necessarily add any new features. Maybe it does slightly, but the main point would be, oh, look, this has much better graphics. Oh, look, this is much better um, storage or like the battery life is like quadruple the amount, double the amount. Uh, that's going to be the selling point of the new product. And that's usually how it is with things like this. Like if I were to buy Apple Vision Pro, uh, even if it was much cheaper than that, I'd say I'll probably wait for the second one because I just know the moment the second one comes out, I'm going to regret it so much. We were actually talking about this at the pop the other night where you asked me, why have I not got the new, the latest iPhone? Because I, that's something I usually do. And looking at it now, I'm genuinely not missing out on much. Like, yes, maybe the battery is two hours long. Like the battery lasts two hours longer. Maybe the uh, picture quality is slightly better, but I don't necessarily need that like my battery is good enough if i charge it in at night i have it for the whole day no matter how long how much i use my phone i have it the whole day and at night i can just charge it again uh whereas obviously with products like that that's what it feels like if you get the first one the next one's going to be oh you're going to have it the full day and that's when it's going to hurt you'll be like oh do i need to spend another three thousand to just upgrade it to that Exactly. So with these products, they incrementally improve over time. And like with your iPhone, there comes a point where it's so good that, okay, yes, the next one does improve a lot of features, but you don't even need those improvements. What you've got is good enough. And what I was so impressed about with the Apple Vision Pro and from all the media that they've released so far is just how immersive it looks. You know, I'm thinking in terms of people doing work through it, for example, virtual meetings, FaceTime calls, stuff like that, but also watching films. I think there's so many possibilities there. Imagine if you had a film specific, an immersive film specifically made for the Apple Vision Pro, but also like, but also like developer tools, people creating games, because like I said, and I keep coming back to it on their landing page for the product. If you go down, something that they are emphasizing is the developer tools they want people you know like when ps5 came out sony want people to utilize that software uh, to create games that are optimized for the ps5 i think apple also want people to create software whether it's games films apps that are utilized for the vision pro and mm-hmm. i do believe it has it has a brand new chip i think it's called the apple pro chip i might be getting that completely wrong but it is a brand new chip so there's so many There's so many possibilities and the immersion looks amazing already. It's just really exciting time, I think. Yeah, well, I mean, that's how Apple does it, to be fair, isn't it? It's like every time they release something, they're known for just how slick it's going to look or they're known for how easy to use it is and how simplistic it is. Like, it's not an overdone, it's not overdone, it's not an overdesign. It's just perfect. It's just the right amount. But as you said, as you mentioned, the movie thing, that actually got me even more excited because... I'm thinking, yeah, there's definitely VR stuff, like there's VR gaming. Now, I've personally never tried the latest VR game, so I can't really comment on that. But I think when Apple does it, it's just it's just a different direction. Like when Apple does, does such a thing, it just 
it's just too good. It's just for your everyday life. And whereas with VR, when PlayStation Sony does it, you'd expect the gaming one. Or when uh, Meta does it, you expect a more gaming environment. Or, but with Apple, you'll just expect something. Oh, maybe ten years down the line, a CEO of a company is going to have an Apple Vision Pro and do their meeting through that. And I could see that happening. That's why Apple does stuff like this anyway. This is not aimed for gamers or for students or for children. This is for a day-to-day life, adult life, and it's meant to it's meant to be the next generation of laptops because essentially we've had PCs and the problem with that was okay, well, this is too big. I can't really take this anywhere with me, but I get all my work done through this. What's the solution to this? let's invent laptops and what they do is obviously we all know it's just a portable pc and you could take it anywhere with you and with this it's the next step of laptops so yes it's a portable so that's nothing new but it's it feels like it's a part of your body yeah i completely get what you mean and we spoke about this on a previous episode in terms of technological advancements what usually happens is an advancement is made and it makes a certain thing more efficient. And you can certainly say in terms of the Apple Vision Pro that it is an evolution from a laptop. And what it does is, you know, it's more portable, for example, it's more efficient because it's you wear it on your face and there's just more, less baggage. Now, of course, you've got to work through those problems like the battery life, but that will improve with future generations and future iterations of it. And I think you made an interesting point, actually, on meta who made that first big mainstream push on vr technology and it has sort of i think unintentionally if you think about the meta uh, the meta quest for example i think what comes to mind is gaming now that's not their intention whereas i think if you think of the vision pro it's like you were saying it's for everyday life it's for work it's for gaming it's for films it's immersion it's a it's another level of immersion to the way that you navigate the world. And I think that's something that is unique to Apple and the way that they launch products. And that's why it's so exciting. I totally agree with that. Obviously, it won't be something I'd get this year because I think it's overpriced. But I could see myself getting the second version or the third version whenever it comes out. I mean, it does say Apple Vision Pro, so maybe they'll just release like a normal one at some point. That is true, actually, because... I think, did we say the chip was called Vision or did you say it's called M3 or 4? It's called M3 Pro, I believe. That's as far as I know. But I think the branding itself is Vision. So I wonder what the the rationale is behind releasing the Pro first. I mean, I guess perhaps it is. Yeah, they would release a cheaper one in the future that might have less features and then is cheap. Yeah, is cheaper. Yeah, it's... It's an interesting marketing play. I'm not actually sure. Yeah, so perhaps like a Sony PlayStation 5 and a PlayStation 5 Slim, which is slightly cheaper, slightly improved in some regards, but maybe not as high of it. Like it doesn't have as good of a chip in it or it doesn't have as good of a processor in it. Do you know what I mean? It's something, sometimes Apple does that with the laptops as well, with their MacBooks. But to do that, then this product really has to blow people away because... We don't want to. We, we've been talking about how they can improve it in future iterations, but now we're talking about how they could make it worse in order to make it cheaper. Um, mm-hmm. And obviously, if you think about battery life, for example, a normal version, unless it is just called the Apple Vision Pro, but if there's just an Apple Vision version one, for example, um, 
you don't want less than two hour battery life. You certainly want to start at two and then improve from there. You don't want like an hour's battery life because that would be disastrous. People won't use it then because it's just in a way it's useless. It's just, you can't get work done, for example, if you've only got an hour battery life. You can't watch a film if you only have an hour battery life. And even two is actually is is cutting it short. Yeah, it's still low. Well, they've got this thing which they do even with their MacBooks, as I said. So they release like the MacBook Pro, for example, which is meant to have like the best graphics. It's meant to have like the fastest uh, chip, which processes the things and stuff like that. But then like a year later, they they release macbook air which is like the what's the iphone one called xs version oh yeah and no no the yeah the se yeah yeah se version that's the one and that's meant to be like very similar graphics maybe a slightly worse very fast uh chip maybe slightly slower and cheaper do you know what i mean so maybe it's that and because of that it's going to have a longer battery life because it's got less graphics to work with or it's got less things to store or less things to load so the battery life improves slightly but when you put it head to head yes the pro still beats it when it comes to graphic when it comes to maybe the design or stuff like that do you know what i mean yeah that makes sense and actually it's funny you brought up the se because i was looking at the apple watch se earlier because i'm thinking of getting one myself oh yeah we've been talking about that actually last time so how's that going you actually getting it's, it? I mean, yeah, I've identified one and I will get it in the near future. I think oh, it's going to be, cool. yeah, silver, silver finish, black strap, and it's £219. So compared to, you know, a normal Apple Watch or the Apple Watch Ultra, far cheaper. Yeah, and it is somewhat of a long term investment, to be fair. I do think it's, and we talked about this actually, I do think it's something that's not necessary, but if you want a day to day watch, that's probably your safest choice. Yeah, I mean, I said that. I wanted an everyday watch that I can also use for like a heart rate monitor. Um, and it's just, it's two in one. You can't really go yeah, wrong. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, just before we move on to our next point, I'd like to talk about something I'm excited to see in 2024. Ooh. And we've already had a disaster from it. Um, so this is the Cybertruck, which... I don't know if you're familiar with or not. Um, I, I've i only seen Elon Musk talk about it on his latest episode with Joe Rogan, and then Joe Rogan shot an arrow at it. But that's all I've seen. So have you seen how it looks like and everything then? I know how it looks like, yeah. Yeah, so obviously the uh, production of this car got delayed many, many times. Obviously it's made out of steel. We all know that. It's meant to be crazy, and it just looks like... Looks like a car from the future. Now, in 2024, they're meant to actually give it out to a lot of customers who pre-ordered it. And it actually had its first reported car crash yesterday. So the first day of 2024, it had the first ever car crash. And I'm actually going to show you this. And I want you to see exactly what happened to the a other live car. Reaction. A live reaction. A live reaction. Indeed. Okay. So. This is the Cybertruck. For people who don't know and they want to watch the thing, just search up Tesla Cybertruck car crash. And there's one footage because there's only been one car crash from it. And you could watch it on, on YouTube. It's like a 30-second video. If you haven't seen the Cybertruck, it does look really cool. It looks like something out of a science fiction film. It does. And it's made out of steel, by the way. So this is the Cybertruck. And... 
this right here is what happened to the other car. Oh, wow. It took a big bite out of that. Yeah, literally. And if you go back and look at the Cybertruck, literally nothing changed. Besides from the airbag, which obviously they deploy on the inside. But other than that... So, yeah. So the Cybertruck is pretty much in good condition. And then there's a car in the bush and the bonnet of it and the 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 front the front light as well it's just a big bite taken out of it yeah exactly and that raises the question now is this car safe to drive on the road not for the driver but for other road users well that would it would actually depend on the driver and if they're driving properly and if they don't crash it so yeah, that's true. in a in an ideal world everyone's going to be following the the rules of driving and no one's going to crash so it would come down to human error yeah that's and you've true. got you've got to remember that this car would not be on the road unless it passed thousands millions of regulations right and clearly mm -hmm. it has passed them so the people who are experts in those regulations and car safety and whatnot they have said that it's safe enough so I would assume that it would be safe enough. Now, of course, what we've seen there is it can take a huge bite out of other cars and come off unscathed, which is interesting, which is there's there's uh, there's a lot to think about there. But in terms of safety, I think that just comes down to the driver. I agree. Well, obviously, I'd say most of the regulations and the testing that's done, it's mostly to do with the passenger of the car and not necessarily the passenger of other vehicles or pedestrians yes of course pedestrians but they wouldn't test like they wouldn't collide two cars and say oh your car's too strong it deletes this car therefore your car doesn't pass a regulation if anything that's a good thing for the test because it says their car's too strong uh but that being said i don't have enough info on that to speak but it just looks like i can't wait to see a tesla cybertruck on the road now i know it's not coming to london or england in 2024 unless you import it from america which some people are planning to do so and the odds of you seeing it on the road is very very slim uh but could you imagine how cool it would be to just drive past a cyber truck i think we can talk about that in terms of like apple and pushing the boundaries i don't i don't know in terms of the car's technology but i think in terms of its design that yeah it'd be extremely cool to see it because like i said it looks like something out of a science fiction film and that's going to have influence on how other cars are designed and how they're going to look so i'm just curious to know actually so it's launching in the us only first yeah so they've got uh the us customers they're covering them one first and then they're planning on going worldwide that is similar to apple who are releasing the Vision Pro in early 24 US only. So there. yeah, interesting strategy there. And did you say it's worldwide after 2024? Well, their aim is to deliver it to everyone who pre-ordered in the years in 2024. Now they could all import it to whatever country they want, but they'll be delivered in America. So yes, their goal is to only release it in america for now but you could import it one thing they can't do though whoever buys the car will get sued if they sell the car interesting why is that um okay i like to actually fix that because it won't get sued if they sell the car they get sued if they sell the car for the higher amount because it's the case just like playstation or 
back early when Prime first came to the UK. So it's a case where if you get your hands on one, you can then just sell it for quadruple the amount of the actual retail price because people would just want that. And because there's so limit, the number they're producing at the moment is limited. Obviously, it's a big production car, so it takes a big chunk out of their budget and everything. Uh, and it's a hard car to build. Obviously, if you just look at it, made out of steel, you know that. Um, so yeah, as of right now, they're doing only to customers who pre-ordered. And if they were to sell it at a higher amount, they'll get sued because they're not meant to. Like they're meant to keep the original price tag. Yeah, it's about. I guess it's about quality control and the fact that. The type of people that they want buying this car are people who are not only going to use it, but are collectors, for example. They don't want resales. And you can say the same for a lot of high, high-end high value watch brands, for example, like a Patek Philippe or, or a Richard Millet or a Rolex that you have to go and wait waiting lists. They sort of do their own vetting and they make sure that you're not someone who's going to buy it and then sells it on straight away. Yeah, which is crazy if you think about it. I mean, fair play, that's that's how they should be because then that will just damage the value of the the product itself. Exactly. I was going to ask you why it's been delayed for so long, but I think you sort of answered that question. Is it because of the the materials? The material, how hard it is to actually pass your regulations, as you mentioned earlier, and the manufacturing process, which takes a bit long, and the delivery issues they've had because it's such a big, heavy uh, car. Well, they figured it out. <laughs> Fair play to Elon Musk. They have figured it out. So, shall we move mm-hmm. on to films that we're looking forward to seeing this year? Yes. Okay. So, basically, this episode was mostly we were talking about what's coming in 2024, and I like that. That's 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 fun. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed that. So, with films. Lead the way. Tell me what you're, what I, you're looking okay, for. Okay, I've got a list and I'm going to read them off and you just pick me pick me up on ones that you're interested in, okay? So I'm just going to read off this list. I think I've got six or seven films. Mm-hmm. Tell me. So the first one is A Quiet Place Day One. The mm-hmm. second one is Furiosa. The third one is Gladiator 2. The fourth one is Megalopolis. The fifth one is Mickey 17. And the sixth one is Nosferatu. Okay, are these in order or these are just in these are just in alphabetical order, not release order. Okay, so out of those movies, I'd say the ones you've named. I've got some as well, but out of the ones you've named, I'd say I'm looking forward to Quiet Place and Gladiator Two. Yeah, and so let's get onto it. So, A Quiet Place Day One is a prequel to the first two A Quiet Place films and it happens on day one of the event and for anyone who has seen A Quiet Place Part 2 you will know that that film opens with a five to ten minute sequence of the day that whatever happened happened and so this is a whole film set on that day with different characters and I'm really looking forward to it. So does it not have Emily Blunt as the main character anymore? It, It does not it follows a completely separate cast of characters which i think is an interesting thing to do Mm. and i just think the writing for this series has been really good the world that they've created we talk about this pretty much every episode in terms of things we like but again the world that they've created is so compelling that i can't see this one failing i think it's going to be another hit for that franchise yeah i mean it's that's such a unique film and that is genuinely something i'm looking forward to and 
I'm really excited because as you mentioned, it's something that's going to have be on the day. So I assume they will eventually figure out that they're meant to be quiet and not make noise. And just having to experience that silence in cinema again is going to be fantastic. Well, exactly. And firstly, I think we're going to get some answers to whatever the fuck happened. But also, like, that opening five to ten minutes in A Quiet Place Part 2 was incredible. It was probably the best part of that film. And that was a really good film. I thought A Quiet Place Part 2 is actually better than the first one. And the first one is a really good horror film anyway. So I'm I'm investing a lot in this film. I hope it's going to be good. I think it's going to be good. And I'm just looking forward to it. And I think it's going to come come out around late spring or summer. So yeah, not too long to not too long to wait. It should be a big hit. And what about Gladiator Two? Well, Gladiator Two. I mean, come on. The first one won the Best Picture Oscar. It won the Best Actor Oscar for Russell Crowe. It's considered nowadays a classic. It's. I mean, what more do I have to say? It's interesting that they're doing a Gladiator 2 because I don't know where the story's going to go because, spoiler alert, Russell Crowe's main character dies at the end of Gladiator. You have had 24 years to watch it, by the way, so if you haven't seen it, I just I don't know what to say. Just watch Gladiator. It won't affect your experience, by the way. Um, but, yeah, this one, this one, of course, says excitement because of how big a hit the first film was and how good the first film was. And there's also that level of curiosity, because like I said, where does this film go? It follows a completely different character, completely different cast of characters. Of course, it's set in the Roman Empire. But yeah, what direction would it go? Who knows? Just to name some cast members, we've got Paul Meskel playing the lead character. That should be interesting. We've got the great Denzel Washington. And we've got Pedro Pascal, among many other talented actors. So I think it's going to be a really good one. And this one comes out at the end of 2024. So you do have to wait a while for this one. Oh, they're not doing a GTA at least. Oh, they are doing a GTA kind of. but They are, but they're not. Yeah, they are, but they're not. But it's worth it. I mean, think about it. It's not like it was a recent... Gladiator 1 was a recent film, so you can't wait to see what happens. And that had a definitive ending. So as you said... You don't need a follow-up and you have mentioned that there's a complete different set of characters and everything. So um, I hope it's not a flop. I I doubt it would be because I would personally like anything related to Gladiators because I just find their stories fascinating. Um, A movie following a warrior is always something I'm interested in. So I'm really looking forward to that one, actually. I just hope it's not a four-hour film, which it probably will be. I don't know if it'll be four hours, but I'm thinking because, okay, so we know, for example, that this film is going to follow a grown-up version of the Emperor's Nephew in the first film. And the Emperor's Nephew is this innocent young boy who's really interested in gladiators. He sort of has a bond with Russell Crowe, but he's also the nephew of the villain who's the Emperor. And this follows him as a grown-up man. And I'm just thinking, like, okay, he's he's the emperor's nephew, so he's not a gladiator by birth. Maybe maybe the film, it just has a placeholder title for now, Gladiator 2. That builds all the hype, and then it, it gives it a more appropriate title. Because think about it, Gladiator 2 is not really a great title. And especially from that plot synopsis I've just given you, with a character who doesn't really have anything to do with gladiators, maybe it's going to have a different title on release. I hope so, because, yeah, it's not really appealing. It feels like 
oh, because Gladiator 1 had so much success, let's just stick with that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, let's just say it's two. Um, which, I mean, that happens with a lot of films that do a second part. I just hope this is not one of them. And because they haven't rushed it, it just gives me, like, Avatar vibes. Do you know what I mean? Where it feels like with Avatar, yes, they could have done second part maybe two, three years, four years after the first part, but it would not have been as great as Avatar 2. Um, and even that is, that, is that coming out at Avatar 3? Is that coming out in 2024, 2025? I believe Avatar 3 will be coming out, I want to say this year. Yeah, I think so. If if it is, then that is genuinely something I'm looking forward to because of the turn it, uh, the new addition of characters they had. So who for anyone who hasn't seen Avatar 1 or Avatar 2, highly recommended. Now, Avatar 1, I wouldn't necessarily say is a great film. And I know that's a hot, hot pick. And I know not I don't many think people agree is, with me. I, I would agree with you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't necessarily think it's a great film. Like, if you were to wa- if you were to watch it when it came out, I believe back in, was it 2010? 2009, yeah. 2009. If you were to go to the cinema and watch it, it would be an amazing experience just because of how advanced the uh, technology was at the time and the graphics they showed. It's just amazing. And even we talked about it, even the second part, the underwater scenes, They've done great. And a thing like that 10 years ago, 14 years ago, 16 years ago, 15 years ago, finally got the right number. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's just so much more impressive than it is now. Uh, so if that is something that's coming out, I'm looking forward to that one as well. Do you want to talk about your other movies that you're looking forward to? Well, before I do that, just to add on Avatar, I think just as a, a blanket statement, I think it's not a great film. I think it has a good story and it has great visuals and it was a huge film event and it cemented its place in movie history and that's safe. And I think even now the visuals are incredible. But I think in terms of like storytelling, it's good. And I think you'd probably say the same with Avatar 2. But again, they've create, recreated that magic because visually it's incredible. And that is part of the storytelling because you go into the film expecting incredible visuals and two times they've delivered now so hopefully they do it for a third time um i would also add avatar 3 to my list i'm looking forward to that one and i think i've got a i've got a shout out furiosa the trailer for that dropped i think either end of november or early december and that is a prequel to mad max fury road and i just thought it looked incredible now mad max fury road starring tom hardy and charlie's theron which came out in 2015 is an incredible action film. And I mean, visually it's incredible. The stunts are incredible. The story is really good. It's in a dystopian post-apocalyptic world. Um, And I would say it's a quiet taste, but I think the story is so good that it actually isn't. You just sort of, you get immersed in it. And that's a film that I'm definitely looking forward to. And the same, I would have to say to Mickey 17 and you might not have heard this one, but I think you'll be interested after I say this. It is the director and writer of Parasite, his first film since Parasite. So this one has been, well, Parasite was 2019. We're in 2024. This has been five years in the making. So whatever Bong Joon-ho creates, and of course he created Parasite, which I think is a great film, whatever he creates, I will be there. And obviously it's been five years in the making. So I think it's going to be pretty good. Okay, actually, yeah, I don't know about that film. I mean. 
before you tell me. Um, one thing I'd like to mention before giving a comment on what you said, we were way off with Avatar 3. It's coming out on December 19th, 2025. Really? Yeah. You know what? I'm not, even, I'm not even disappointed for that because I know it's going to be good. Oh, it will definitely worth the watch. I wouldn't suggest people to watch it in 3D in cinemas, though I did that at the peak of my concussion, and it was already a 3D movie without the 3D glasses for me anyway. Uh, so I ended up having it in like fucking 8D when I was watching it. But I don't know, those 3D glasses gave me a headache. Now, I don't think that was because of my concussion. I just think... I don't know. What do you think? Did it give you a headache? Well, I think you made the really smart decision to watch parts of a 3D film without any glasses. And I think that <laughs> is automatically going to give you a headache. So my medical opinion, and of course I'm an expert on this, would be when you're watching a 3D film, which can give you a headache anyway, watch it fully with the glasses. Don't take them off and watch 10 or 15 minutes without them, because that's probably not going to be good for your eyes. Well, that was the problem. The problem was I was what I was using the glasses and like a few minutes in, like let's say I had them on for like 10 minutes and it felt like, okay, my brain's moving with the characters. I have to take these off. Otherwise my head's going to pop. So I would take them off and I'd be like, oh, okay, this is good for 30 seconds. Like it felt like I'm resting. And then another issue would come on top. So I put the glasses back on top. And by the time I get used to that, it's the same story over and over again. It just sounds like you kept digging yourself a hole. And, you know, you could have got yourself out of this by the start by just keeping on those glasses the whole time. That's, that is true. Could you imagine how sick it would be to watch Avatar 2 in the Las Vegas sphere? Well, yeah, that would be incredible. And imagine watching it in the Apple Vision Pro. I see what you did there. Well, you'd only get to watch like one third of it before the battery dies. But That's yeah, true. Well, I mean, you could you could have like your head leaning to the floor as it's plugged into the charging cable. Imagine you're just flat on your belly, like on the floor. Your head's it, like facing the ground. And you're it flat would on be your belly. it would be at a weird angle though, and that would probably give you not only like neck pain but probably a headache as well, or a bit more than a headache. So we wouldn't recommend that. That's true, and you could you could talk about the posture things because computer and laptops what they did with people's posture was like they make their back they make people bend over and their backs kind of sticking out over years and i assume with things like that it's going to be a case where back's going to be straight but your neck's going to be two meters ahead like yeah i mean just thinking at it thinking about it uh at just like normally i think that it's probably not going to make your posture worse which is a good thing i mean if you've already got bad posture that's not great um, it's not going to, I don't think it's going to improve it, but here we go. We found a medical benefit to the Apple Vision Pro. There we go. And one thing I like to mention is, and they do this, I know we've moved past the topic, but I just want to bring it up because they do this with the Apple watches. And when you get one, you'll find out what I mean is they'll tell you when you do something for so long. So it says, oh, now you've been sitting, it's time to stand up. Oh, now you've, it's time to drink. It's time to take deep breaths. Your heart rate's up. So it tells you stuff like this, which are obviously not very useful, but you know, like some data and stuff. So I hope with the Apple Vision Pro, it tells you, oh, like your head's been looking down for too long. Let's do like a neck exercise where you just rotate your neck or you just stretch. Um, <clears throat> and they guide you through that very well. What Apple does is, yeah, they do guide you through that very well. And I hope that's something they integrate with uh, Apple Vision Pro. Okay, yeah. So I think that's that's very good. I would assume that they would probably have some sort of fitness element in the Apple Vision Pro because they like to do that with all their Apple products. So 
shall we move on to the films that you're looking forward to seeing this year? Uh, yes, let's do that. And okay, so we share two, or yeah, we share one actually. So some of the movies I'm looking forward to, one, Deadpool, which actually I didn't know it's this year. I thought it's next year, but at the pub, your partner actually told me it's this year. So I'm really looking forward to that. I enjoyed both Deadpool movies. They were amazing. And Deadpool 3 coming out in July is something I'm looking forward to. That should be a good one. That should be a good one. Obviously, with Deadpool ones, I th- I th- I'd say the first one was better than the second one. A lot of people say the other way around. Though. A lot of people say the second one was better than the first one. What do you think? I would agree with you and say I prefer the first one, but I'm actually I'm also looking forward to it. It didn't make my cut. I think I went for more. I went for more obscure picks, some of them, but I do think I'm definitely looking forward to Deadpool three, and I will be there. Yeah, and. Yeah, that's that's one thing I'm genuinely looking forward to that. Um, I don't know if they're going to be following the storyline. Well, they will, but um, I don't necessarily think it's the same villain because they ended up getting rid of that villain in the second one. Spoiler alert, by the way. Um, but yeah, so that'll be interesting to see what they'll have. And they're going to have the... What's his name? Is it Logan? Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, Logan is returning. So he'll be in that fall, so I'd I'd like to see how the dynamic between them two is going to be. And I assume it'll be a fun duo, actually. You know it's going to be good. He's going to be serious. Ryan Reynolds is going to be funny and goofy. It's just going to work so well. That's what I'm saying. So that's something I'm looking forward to. Another film I'm looking forward to is A Quiet Place, as you said. So we we have that one on the list. So we've already talked about that. We've spoken about that one, yeah. And the next one, which I told you about this and you uh, you gave me some... I don't know. You gave me some negative th- things on it. Joker 2, um, starring, obviously, Joaquin Phoenix and uh, Lady Gaga this time as Harley Quinn. I think... Here's what I think. I think the casting is great. I think Joker was a really good film and a great experience at the cinema. I think they're taking a bold move here because we know that if it's not going to be a full-on musical, it's going to have musical elements. And I think that imposes a risk. And I spoke to you about this the other day, but people who had already seen early footage of the film and what they have seen is not what's going to come out. It's probably a completely different film because it's it's not edited in the same order, for example. But those people said that a lot of work needs to be done. Now, that is usual with a post-production process. But I just think because of, because like I said, because this is a musical and because if you've seen Joker, you know, it's sort of like they're making that a musical, really? Um, Yeah, I think it's a risky film, but I wish it all the best and I really want it to be really good. So I'm looking forward to it, but it's not one of my most anticipated films of the year. Yeah, so with that one, uh, when I heard it's going to be a musical, I... You know, that really put me off because I'm not a biggest fan of musicals. I can't remember the last good musical film. I well, actually, well, I watched Wonka. one recently. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say, I watched one there recently. But like, I genuinely, like, there's never been a musical I've watched and I say, oh, this movie's better off being a musical than it is not being a musical. So every movie I watched that was a musical, I'd say, I'd say it probably would be as good, if not better, if it wasn't a musical. Do you know what I mean? No, I don't. 
But like, let's see. Like, what are some great musical films? La La Land. Haven't seen it. The Wizard of Oz. Haven't seen it. The Sound of Music. Haven't seen it. My Fair Lady. Haven't watched it. Cats. Of course. Greatest of all time. How can I not watch that? I mean, Cats doesn't even fit your description because that would be better (laughs) off not being a film in general. (laughs) Can't believe we watched that in the... So for those who are listening, when it was coming out, this this guy right here was like, we need to watch this in the cinema. We had to. And I'm like, no, we don't have to watch it. And he's like, but it's Cats. And I'm like, okay, let's think. So I watched a trailer for it. And I'm like, hmm, what about this makes you want to go and watch it? And it says, it, it's got, what's what's that guy's name? James what? James Corden, Taylor Swift, Idris Elba, <laughs> Jason Derulo. Come on, guys, it's and dancing like, CGI it's got cats. James Corden as a cat. And I'm like, fuck's sake. Rebel Wilson. And we ended up watching it, and I think we both agreed that that was the worst thing we've ever watched in the cinema. So the good thing about that is nothing can ever top that. I highly doubt there will ever be another film which we watch in the cinema and we say it's as bad as that. Because fundamentally it committed the biggest sin of cinema, and that is it was boring. And you know why it was boring? Because it had no story. There was no story. Just a bunch of cats. That's the point. Ant-Man Quantumania has a story. Cats does yeah. not. Yeah. And that is why Ant-Man Quantumania is a better film. Wow, you really have a back and forth relationship with that film, don't you? That's my redemption arc. <laughs> is it not? I haven't seen it, by the way. Yeah. yeah is it I've not? I've been very positive about it just there. Yeah, you have. But going back to our episode two or three, you'd be like, I can't believe they made Ant-Man 3 or Ant-Man 4, whichever one it is. Ah, uh, it's uh, in the past. No one's going to listen to them anyway. <laughs> it's fine. So, so what is your next film? Okay, so we talked about Joker. The next film I'd like to mention is another... Joker's coming out in October, by the way. So it'd be somewhat of a Halloween-based film because of the dark theme. It's, it's that got would be behind well. it. Yeah. Uh, another film I'd like to talk about, which is another Halloween film, is smile two yes now i did a list of my favorite films that i watched last year and smile was on that list i have seen it three times last year and it is in a way it's um it's conventional horror in the sense that it relies a lot on jump scares but the jump scares are really fucking good it's a creepy film it's a scary film and I enjoyed the story, and I like the concept of it, and I'm really looking forward to this one. Um, so one thing I like to mention about horror films, I don't like some horror the way some horror films do their jump scares. I like to explain that. What I mean by that is, there is one thing being a creepy film, and there's one thing having sudden jump scares. And with a lot of these films, I believe the last actual horror film i watched in the cinema was conjuring is it three the third one we watched yeah conjuring the devil made me do it which was disappointing that was a bad film and it really wasn't scary if you think about it it 
it has jump scenes but don't get me wrong this is my problems with jump scenes what they do is they go quiet for a second like the screen like it goes off the frame goes off the main character or the bit they're focused on for a second and it goes quiet and dark and suddenly a random object jumps in the middle or like a random loud noises through your ears and they they consider that horror i personally don't i just think even a comedy film can have that even a comedy film ha- can have a, a jump scare or even like a romance film can have a jump scare so i wouldn't like i wouldn't like to go to a film and say okay it's a horror film because it's got 10 jump scares like i wouldn't consider that a horror film it's just 10 jump scares which it goes quiet and something just jumps in the middle of the screen like even an instagram video could have that jump scare do you know what i mean yeah, I get what you're saying. And those that, that conjuring universe of films, the Annabelle films and the Nun films included, they sort of they've pioneered that style of jump scare into the mainstream. And what I will say on that is the first two conjuring films do those ones really well, but by the by the other ones it, it becomes a bit stale. Whereas I think with something like Smile, it's really smart in how it does its jump scares. It's not like everything goes silent and then something jumps in front of the camera. It's like everything is silent, but then like the camera will be slowly panning around and then there'll mm. just be something there that's extremely creepy exactly. and that scares you. You set, you get the same jump, but it's in a different way. Exactly. So it's like that's something that will genuinely haunt you at night if you're scared of horror films. Like thinking about it now. It's so creepy. Like the smile itself or kind of a spoiler alert. I don't want to really spoil it. One of the, one of the scenes where the character or that evil character is going through the hallway and it's like a bigger scale. Oh my God. Do you know which part I'm talking about? I know the one you're talking about, yeah. Like, that's just creepy. Like, that's something that no matter how long you look at it, you're scared. Like, that's not something that, oh, it comes on the screen for one second, you're scared because it's a jump scare and then it's normal for the rest. That doesn't matter how long you look at that face or you look at the visuals, like, you, you're creeped out. So my My favorite scene in that film is in a kitchen. And it was what I was talking about is the camera slowly moving. Yeah, and I'm not going to yeah, spoil yeah, it. Exactly. But that's my favorite scene. That's good. That is really good. So, yeah. And I, and we watched that with the boys um, back in New Forest. We did. I really enjoyed that film. I really, really enjoyed that film. Um, a so what is your next individual, one? A certain individual legged it before we play it. Uh, they to... couldn't handle it. Yeah. <laughs> and other things. Uh, <laughs> but uh yes so and that's coming out in october eight, on october 18th which i think we should watch it in the cinema i'm down to go to the cinema to watch that i, I will apple, be there though it's an apple apple film isn't it which one smile is it not no apple? it's no no it's not apple no okay okay we're good then okay next one is more of an honorable mention so last but not least honorable mention you can't go wrong with it come on Kung Fu Panda 4. Come on. You say honorable mention, but I feel like this is actually secretly at the top of your list. That's not the point. Kung Fu Panda 4. How sick is that? There is 0% and 0 ounces of my body that is excited for this film. How? How? Kung Fu Panda. The Dragon Warrior. Come on. I've seen the first film. I haven't even seen the sequels. And I couldn't even tell you what happens in the first film. Oh, my God. Well, a quick backstory I could give on that is the main villain from the first film, which is Tai Long, I believe. 
This is where is we come. making a comeback. <laughs> it does nothing for me. But you're clearly very excited about it, and that's all that matters. Well, I mean, to be fair, it's a good film. Like, the first one was good, wouldn't you say? I've never heard any bad reviews about it. I can say that. But you watched it. Did you enjoy it? I do not remember a thing. I can I can visualize the characters, mm-hmm. but I couldn't tell you a thing. And when did you watch it? So does it have that nostalgic element for you? No. I mean, when did it come out? Like 2010? 2000... No, no, like 2012, 13, something like that. That's when I would have watched it. Oh, so you watched it. And it doesn't have the nostalgic thing for you. Unfortunately, for whatever reason, it just never happened for me. What have you done? Well, I'd like to name some other animated movies which you may be interested in. It okay, let's go for it. By the way. Hmm. Megamind 2. Nope. So have you seen the first one? I mean, we talked about this. But... Nope. Okay, Megamind 2 is another good one. Inside Out 2. I think, I mean, yeah, I will probably watch that. Inside Out's a good film. Yeah. And what else do we have? Despicable Me, the fourth one. I will see it, but I don't think I'll see it at the cinema. But I'll see it just because yeah. I've seen the other three, and I enjoyed them. Now, once again, this was meant to be originally on my list, but I felt like I'm going to get knocked out virtually by you, so I didn't put it there. Let's see what it is. The Garfield movie! Come on! I will not be there. I'm sorry. <laughs> Listen, and you know what? I actually think it will be, it'll probably be really good, and I think it will make a lot of money, but it just does nothing for me. I used to watch the, the Garfield cartoon. I didn't like the the live action films. How? Um, I just thought they were really poor. Oh my but, God. but I did like the cartoon. So... You know what, actually, on Garfield, if it turns out that it's like a big event, everyone's seeing it and everyone's liking it, there's a possibility that I go and see it. Yeah, I I'll mean, give you that If much. you didn't like the live actions one, I wouldn't say you like it. I mean, don't get me wrong, it looks, it looks good, so it'll probably be a good one. It'll probably be one like Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, which was great, by the way. Uh, it'll, be, it'll be like that. Or that type of visuals, I like to say, and latest with the latest Ninja Turtle movies, uh, which, which I, I still seen. need to see as well. Yeah. yeah, I haven't seen that either, and I'm like the biggest Ninja Turtle fan of all time. Can't go I'm, with them. I'm not a big Ninja Turtle fan, but I did want to see that film, and whenever it comes somewhere for free, I will be watching it. I remember we were walking to the cinema, and it was to watch Barbie. Um, it was my partner, and we were walking in, and I'm thinking. And I was looking at um, uh, the banner, which had the Ninja Turtles. Like, it was actually really funny because it was exact split. Like, the right side, the right wing of the cinema would go to Barbie and the left wing would go to Oppenheimer, I believe. It was yeah. one at the back, which was the Ninja Turtles. And we had to actually wait in a queue. Um, so I remember we were going up the stairs and I saw two guys behind me. And I saw, basically going up, I saw every other female kid dressed in pink. I'm like, I'm fucked. And I looked back and I saw two dudes behind me and I asked them, please tell me you're going to watch Barbie so I'm not the only guy. And they start laughing and they say, oh no, mate, we're watching Ninja Turtles. I'm like, 
fuck, we could have been watching that. And he said, don't worry, though. I watched it with my wife last week and it wasn't even that bad. And so then like, and then you look down at your pink trousers and your pink suit <laughs> that you had on, your pink shirt, and you're like, what am I doing with my life? I did not have anything pink on, thank God. But yeah, I looked at the Ninja Turtle one and I kind of like zoned out. You know, when you just dream in your head and you have like a cloud above your head. I, I mean, like, man, I could have been watching that. It's available to rent right now. You could just, after this podcast, you could just go and watch it. See, the issue is I'm going to be watching Beef. Ah, very good. Well, that's See. a nice segue then. What have you been watching yeah. recently? Uh, so the latest thing I watched, we slightly touched on that. It was Wonka at the cinema, which yeah. uh, in that realm of movies, so the Willy Wonka movies, I don't remember all of them exactly. I remember the one partially with uh, Johnny Depp playing Willy Wonka. Um, that was a good film, but I don't remember most of it. I don't even, I don't remember if uh, Johnny Depp was Willy Wonka or not. Yeah, he was. So this is the third Wonka film. The first one is the original classic with Gene Wilder playing Willy Wonka. The second one is the 2005, and some people would say classic as well, with Johnny Depp. And the third one is with Timothy Chalamet. And those first two ones are based off Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, the book, Whereas this one is a prequel and we learn about how Wonka became Wonka. Exactly. And it was a good film. Once again, it had that musical element to it, which I mean, to be fair, I at, at the start when I found out it's a musical, I was like, no, I got scammed. If I knew it's a musical, I wouldn't have come in. But then I sat down the, and the, some of the musics you then pay attention to. And it's it's actually good. And then I realized that after the movie, kind of like I walked out. And I was sent some of the songs from the film and I'm like, oh, wow, that already gives me that type of um, good memory vibe when I listen to that song, because it yeah. reminds me of going to the cinema. Exactly. It's like a it's a really upbeat film. It's a fun film and it's also like a heartwarming film. But it has those it also has those really funny and comedic elements. And it is it is in that way. It's like the perfect family film. And OK, it is a musical, but. I think actually the musical numbers were pretty good and I could see myself watching Wonka again in the future. Yeah, so I was told we should go and watch it again and I shot that idea down. However, it, it, it is a good film. I, I could also just see myself re-watching it at some point, just having it on the background, watching it uh, with hot chocolate and Baileys, by the way. That would be a good good match. Lovely. Uh, this is This is one of those films that you put on during like a holiday season. Yeah, yeah, exactly. This is one of them ones. Um, other than that, I watched, so based on your suggestion, I watched Beef on Netflix. Uh, I'm around six episodes or seven episodes in, I think. Um, and how are you finding it? Because I, I brought this up last week, didn't I? Yeah, yeah. And I think it's amazing. Good. I love how it works out. Like, when you set a drama, I, I actually talked to you about this before. Whenever I hear drama, I just get a sad vibe. Like, I just feel like, okay, it's going to be a depressing film because it's, it's drama involved like that's that's what the word drama is like whenever there's something wrong you say like there's drama with that person or there's drama do you know what i mean so whenever you say drama you think okay there's gonna be a negative vibe or there's gonna be something sad whereas this movie uh, this series is kind of a comedy yes it does have that uh, dark comedy in it at times but i i really enjoy it it's really good and apparently they're having a season two which i don't know what it's going to be on but well, i still haven't finished it that's what I said to you. If there is going to be a season two, I don't know where they're going to take it. But 
what they've did really well with beef is apart from the acting which is fantastic the characters which are great it comes down to the writing and the balancing of drama and in a way not even drama because nowadays when you have a drama and a comedy people like to label it dark comedy and actually i would say it is a dark comedy it's what used to be called black comedy but they changed that to dark comedy um but yeah it's just it's really smartly written it keeps you gripped every week sort of like how hijack did but i think it's a little bit more smartly written than hijack um it it falls into that category of sort of like a treat in a in a way that it's not what you expected it was not the show that you perhaps were looking to watch but you found it and you're like wow this is a great pick so i'm glad you you picked up on that suggestion yeah, that was a good one. So thank you for that. Because you know what it is with Netflix, when I scroll through Netflix, when it's a film I do not know about, or it's a show I do not know about, I decide based on visuals. So I just go over the poster and how it looks. Like, does it look entertaining from the poster? And if it is, I'll click on it. And then I read it and I'll watch the trailer and I'm like, okay, I'll watch this. So this must have been a thing where I, I told you I knew it. So this must have been a thing where I looked at, but I didn't really click on it or it wasn't interesting. So I just went I past. mean beef has a good poster to be fair i'm thinking of it now it's two fingers two middle fingers um pointed at each other does it for me it doesn't have yeah. that that's, that's unfair does it not let me check actually let me check my netflix account because i do not think it's got that if it does so, have that my one is two middle fingers pointed at each other and either side is ali wong who plays the female protagonist and steven yun who plays the male protagonist and why is it a really good poster? Well, firstly, it's visually striking, but essentially that poster sums up the whole series. It, it pretty much does that. Yeah, so my one is actually not that, and I feel like I've been scammed, and I do not know why it's not that. Because if you look, I'm going to send you my one. Look at it. It just looks like it's they flopped it, man. Just look at this. Like, which, is this something appealing? So Arshia's one is of a vase and that vase is made by a character called George and George is used a lot for comedy and it's like a really artsy vase that essentially he's he's trying to sell but it's not really going to make any money and I, I guess that is in a way for whatever reason that is dark comedy. Yeah yeah it's 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 a good show though I I do recommend it I know you said it I also recommend it. It's got the Coffee Hour stamp of approval. It does. What you've been watching? Well, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick a show that I finished a few weeks ago, um, and that is Blue Eyes Samurai. So I was watching that with Alyssa. It is a, it is a, it's animated. It is set in Edo era Japan, and it is essentially a samurai revenge story. But visually, I mean, it's incredible. If we talk about, you know, this latest Ninja Turtles film or the Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse films as having a really unique art style, this is, again, something that not similar to those films at all, but in terms of its art style is a completely unique, but it's brought it onto a TV landscape. And the writing itself is also really good. And that is a show that has been confirmed for season two. And I'm very much looking forward to that because the story is far from over. Uh, yes, I remember you actually talked about that slightly before. It might have been offline, but um, it gave me um, Avatar, the last Airbender vibe. And I know it's not that, um, 
but it did look amazing. It also, do you know the inevitable? Is it the inevitable on um, Amazon Prime? Invincible. The invincible. That's the one. Invincible. Yeah, it gave me that vibe as well, but I've never seen Invincible. Like, I watched, I believe, parts of episode one, and it just wasn't for me. But apparently, that's meant to be really good. Yeah, so I highly recommend Blue-Eyed Samurai, and you know we're getting a second season. There might even be, with the way the story's going, a third season. I think it's done very well on Netflix. I think it would do very well on the awards circuit, because I think in terms of animation, it's really pushed the limits last year. So that is the first thing that I have finished recently. And I also went to the cinema last week to see Ferrari starring yeah. Adam Driver and Penelope Cruz. And I really enjoyed it. It is, it's set over three months of Ferrari's life in 19, Enzo Ferrari's life in 1957. And it's a period of time where a lot of things come into play in terms of the future of the company but also the future of his marriage. And it's quite, in a way, it is it is drama as in dramatic, emotionally dramatic, but like also the racing scenes, the way they're filmed, the way they're directed is incredible. And I think Ferrari is like that quiet, for me, it's like that quiet sleeper hit of a film that really surprised me because I was going into it thinking this is going to be good, but I came out of it and I thought, oh, this is really good. So... It's in cinemas right now. If anyone hasn't seen it, I highly recommend going and watching Ferrari. Yeah, I saw it on your brother's Instagram story that you went to it. Uh, and I knew it's the type of film you'll enjoy, to be fair. I don't personally think it's the same film I'll like. I probably would like it, though. I don't want to say I dislike it. Uh, but yeah, where are you with Jack Reacher? I believe I've watched the first three episodes, but I am one or two behind. Maybe yeah, one behind, same. but I will be yeah, catching same. up on that. Yeah, exactly. So I didn't watch the latest one that's coming out, and I'm looking forward to that because it's getting more and more interesting with every single episode. Well, we said it in the other episode, it got off with a bang. So yeah, I'm looking forward to following that with however many weeks to go. Maybe is it eight or ten? Um, ten episodes, yeah. Yeah, but that will be a good one, and we'll keep everyone posted. I think we should we should actually do a review of the series when we finish it. I agree. So we'll I'd say we won't talk about it now, and then we'll just talk about it when it's done. All right, man. Well, should we wrap this up then? All right, let's do this. I have been your host, William Code. I'm your co-host, Arshia. And Happy New Year, and thank you for listening to Coffee Hour. See you on the next episode. Take care. Take care.